Luke 1, 39 to 55. <clears throat> At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reaches my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who is who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Thank you, Sarita, for that beautiful reading of the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise to the Lord. We're going to be tackling the theme of joy this morning. And as we begin, let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning with joyful hearts, but also in need of more joy. Lord, we want to experience the fullness of what you have for us. We pray that through your word, you would speak to us. Help us increase our joy, true joy in you, this Christmas season. Lord, give me the words to say. May you lead us and go before us and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll have a PowerPoint up here to follow along with this morning. Joy to the world. We see this phrase everywhere at Christmas, don't we? The word joy is all over the place. So often that sometimes I think we don't quite even understand what it is anymore. We have joy in our songs. We've got joy on the cards that we send to our family. We have joy written on our Christmas decorations. How many of you have an ornament on your tree that says joy on it? Quite a lot of us, I'll bet. I bought one for my mom for Christmas. <laughs> and so joy, this concept of joy is everywhere, everywhere we turn at Christmas. And it's sometimes, at least to me, feels like a lot of pressure, doesn't it? That we are to be happy and joyful constantly. And especially as Christians, that pressure can be quite intense. We know the true meaning of Christmas, that God gave his son for us and that he came to be the savior of the world, and we think, how could I not be joyful? This is the most wonderful time of the year. 
as we hear on the radio. Joy is a beautiful idea. It's something that all of us, all humans, long for, that we seek after, that we strive for. But it is so hard to put it into practice every day and to really experience joy regularly and consistently. I know personally how hard it is. Many of you know that through my lifetime I've experienced many periods of dark depression. And as a friend said to me recently, um, she described it as living with sadness at the edges of her life. And I felt that, that I live that way too. It's always there on the edges, and I don't want it to creep in. I want, it, I want to keep joy at the center of my life, but sometimes I don't really know how. And I, I tend to overanalyze it. And so I'm going to walk you through some of my analysis this morning about joy and the thoughts that I've had, because really, I think I have a lot more questions than I have answers. So I'll start with the questions. First of all, I wonder, how is joy really different from happiness? And I've, I've heard the, the answer that happiness comes from your circumstances, when you're having a good day, you're happy, but joy is only found in Christ. And I, I believe that's true. It's a cliche for a reason, because there is truth to that. But I don't always know how to apply that in practice. If I'm if I am having a good day and things are going well and I feel happy and joyful, well, then I'm suspicious of myself. And I think, is that really joy in Christ? Or am I just happy because things have happened to go the way I wanted them to go? And if I'm having a terrible day and everything is going wrong and I feel unhappy, or even if I feel sadness or loss or grief, and then I think, well, how do I find joy in this? Am I supposed to just smile and fake it? Or am I allowed to feel those negative feelings. And I think we are. I think we have to, because if we don't feel those feelings of grief and loss and hurt that sometimes come to us, those feelings will build up. They'll come out in some other way. And this is why later on in the week we have a blue Christmas service, Thursday evening, to feel some of the grief that we feel at Christmas and missing family members or friends who've gone before or other people who feel stressed and worried during the holidays. We want to make space to feel those feelings. And so I wonder, how is joy really different from happiness? And I wonder too, how do we increase the amount of joy, the overall level of joy that we have in our lives? Oprah gives lots of advice about this. Staying positive, being optimistic, counting your blessings. There's an old song, I think, keep on the sunny side of life. Keeping a gratitude journal. There have been scientific studies that have proven that keeping a gratitude journal actually does increase your happiness, so why not try it? Sure. But sometimes we feel like our joy is gone and we don't know how to get it back. There's periods of time where it just, we don't feel it, and we can write all the lists in the world and the joy just isn't quite there. So that's my third question. How do we restore our joy when we've lost it? Why is joy so slippery? It just squiggles away from you. You think you have it? For a minute, and the next day it's gone. And it's so, we can't manufacture it. You can't say, I'm going to be joyful and grit your teeth. It doesn't work that way. And then I wonder, why are some Christians so much more joyful than others? You know, the, and the most joyful people, in my mind, are the people that often have had reason in their lives to be sad. And I would understand if they wanted to complain and be unhappy. 
because they've gone through grief and they've gone through heartbreak. And yet, when you talk to them, their face lights up and they're delighted to see you and they just radiate like a ray of sunshine and you go, how does that happen when other Christians that I know who have pretty easygoing, pleasurable, uncomplicated lives are cranky and complaining? (laughs) What's going on there? I don't have a lot of answers for these questions. I'm just putting them out there to you. You guys can come to me. Tell me later what you think. But in wrestling with them, I thought it would be a helpful exercise to go back through my life and think when was the most joyful day that I ever had in my whole life? And when was the least joyful day? And try to compare them. And so I'm going to share those with you, but I do that not because I need to talk about myself, but because I want you to do the same thing. I want you this week sometime to reflect. When was the day when I felt the most joy, unshakable joy, deep down, authentic, in my soul, delight in the Lord? And what day was it completely absent? I think you'll be surprised if you do this. We might think, oh, well, the most joyful day should be my wedding day, the birth of my children, the day I graduated, the day I received some great wonderful award. When I, when I thought back over my life, those were not actually the most joyful days. So, and you know what's funny? My most joyful day and my least joyful day, I actually have a picture from each of those days, believe it or not. So here's a picture of my most joyful day. That is me and... My four children at Waterton, you can probably only see three children in the picture because Owen was three weeks old. He was in a front carrier, and you can just kind of see the back of his hat. We were at Waterton National Park, and this was at Cameron Lake, and Al took this photo, and then he took the three older kids out in a paddle boat on the lake, and I was sitting on the shore and nursing Owen. And I just felt such deep joy in my heart. It was gorgeous day. The wildflowers were in bloom. It was not too hot. It was sunny and beautiful, and this water was sparkling. And, and it didn't matter in that moment that the kids had fussed all the way there in the car, and that the drive had been longer than we thought it would be to get to Cameron Lake, and that I was still tired and recovering from giving birth, and that some insensitive man during our picnic had commented on the number of children we had. None of that mattered. (laughs) Did not matter. We were, I was sitting there with my baby and I felt joy in my soul. And then I compare that with my least joyful day, which I also happen to have a picture of. That was at a wedding, a close relative's wedding. And that's my daughter, Anna, who had fallen asleep in my arms, which was probably the best part of the day, actually. And I should have been joyful. It was a wonderful celebration. I loved the people I was with. We were surrounded by family that we hadn't seen in a long time. And I wanted to be joyful. But you know what? In my heart, I was so full of annoyance and frustration and every little detail, little inconveniences. They felt like big disasters. And I was just... My kids, their voices sounded like nails on a chalkboard. I just could not get out of this funk that I was in. I was just grouchy. Of course, I was at a wedding, so I had to smile, and I had to be friendly and be civil to people, but I was mad inside. I was miserable inside, for no good reason, really. And so I look at those two days, and I think, what what they have in common is that on both those days, I didn't feel like I was in control 
of the joy. It was there on the first day, and the second day, I just couldn't seem to grasp it. I couldn't get it. And so it makes me wonder about another question, and this one I think I can actually maybe answer. Is joy a gift or a choice? Is it something that just comes to us out of the blue, that just falls upon us on a certain day and time? Or is it something that we choose? If you Google choose joy, by the way, you will find all kinds of beautiful graphics and designs with little flowers and things. Choose joy. I choose joy. There's songs with that lyric in it. I choose joy. And yet, it, I think it's also a gift. And so I'm going to go through some scriptures with you that show that there's actually biblical support for both of these. Joy is a gift, and it is a choice. So first, let's look at the gift side. It's a gift because it needs a source. It comes from somewhere outside of us. We can't just muster it up by our own willpower. We can't produce it or manufacture it. And the source is God. I love this quote here by Sam Storms. Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. So if it's the presence of God, we're not going to be able to come up with it. It's a gift that God gives us. Here are three different verses that focus in on joy being a gift. The first we've already heard read in our service this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those other things. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit indwelling in us that gives us the gift of joy. Secondly, in Psalm 1611, it says, You fill me with joy in your presence, you being God. We're just like an empty cup until God fills us up with that joy that comes from being in his presence, which is a gift. And then another one, 1 Peter 1, 8 to 9, says, You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God is the one that fills us with joy because of what he's done for us, the salvation he has given us. But, on the other hand, it's a choice that we make because we have other verses that tell us to do it. We are commanded to be joyful. Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Psalm 33.1, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. Just do it, like Nike. Just come and sing joyfully. <laughs> Romans 12.12, 12, Be joyful in hope. There it is, as a command. So this is fun, isn't it? We've got ourselves into quite a quandary. It's a joy to be stuck, isn't it? It's a gift and a choice. Here's a quote from Richard Foster, who is a famous writer on spiritual disciplines. He says this, Joy, not grit, is the hallmark of holy obedience. We need to be lighthearted in what we do to avoid taking ourselves too seriously. It is a cheerful revolt against self and pride. So that sounds to me like joy is going to be something we need to practice. Just like the other fruit of the Spirit. We have to practice being kind, don't we? We have to practice being patient. We have to practice faithfulness and goodness and self-control. So we practice joy, too. Even though it's a gift from God, it's something that we do have to tap into. We, it's both a gift and a choice. It's a gift that we choose then to open, if we can st stretch the metaphor a little bit. We ask for it from God, 
And then we have to choose to live in that joy, to apply it, to use it, to fight against all the attitudes in our, in our lives that are going to steal our joy. That joy does come from a source. It comes from God. But we have to choose to tap into that source, just like we would dig a well to tap into a stream underground. We have to dig for joy sometimes, don't we? We tap into it. The water is there. The gift of joy is there. But finding that way to dig down deep and discover it, that is the challenge. So how? How practically? Because my mind always comes back to, okay, tomorrow morning I will have preached this sermon on joy. How am I going to do it? Because I'm not going to tell you to do something that is impossible to do. How do we open the gift of joy every morning, every day? We need examples. So since it's Christmas, we ought to take our examples from the Christmas story, I thought. And would you know how many places in the Christmas story there is mention of joy? I've got a list for you, actually. I went through and I looked for all the times when it mentions joy in the Christmas story. Luke 1.14, the angel announces to Zechariah that he's going to have a son, and this son, who will be John the Baptist, is going to bring great joy to his parents and to everyone else. And then that promise is fulfilled. It mentions the joy that people have. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy when she hears Mary's voice, as was read for us earlier. And then Mary's song of praise, my soul magnifies the Lord and rejoices in God my Savior. And then in Luke 2, the news of great joy is given from the angel to the shepherds that the Messiah has been born. Their waiting has come to an end. They can rejoice and celebrate because God has kept his promise. And then, of course, the shepherds rejoice at this news. And over in Matthew, we hear of the joy of the wise men when they come to worship. They're overjoyed when they see the star. So I encourage you, look through the Christmas story this week as you prepare. Look at all these instances of joy. Were they a gift? Were they a choice? Were they both? We're going to focus in this morning on Mary's song, which Sarita read for us, the Magnificat. Because in this song, Mary chooses to open that gift of joy because she focuses in on God, on who he is, and how he relates specifically and personally to her. She doesn't focus on her questions, of which I'm sure there were many, her doubts, her fears for the future. No, she sings about these attributes of God, and they're not just abstract concepts. The things that she says about God are ways that she experienced God in her own life. It was not head knowledge about God that she then informed us of. It was heart knowledge that she gained through her relationship with God. So I think Mary reminds us, joy is not an abstract sort of concept. It's something that has to be real and personal that God gives us day by day. So why does Mary rejoice? We're going to look at four sources of joy in her song. There's four reasons. And wouldn't you know, they all start with M. Don't you love that? (laughs) I had to stretch a little on the fourth one. But for Mary, when you think of Mary and her Magnificat, you can think of four M's. And I... He's mindful. God is mindful of us. He's merciful. He's mighty. And he has perfect memory. And so I'm going to go through those one at a time so that we can really unpack these sources of joy that we find in God. First one, God is mindful. Mary starts off, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. What's the personal connection there? God sees me, she says. God has seen me. He, I am on God's mind. He's thinking about me. He's caring about me. If we can understand that ourselves, that God sees each one of us exactly where we are, exactly what we're doing, and he cares, wouldn't that change our lives? We may not have a visit from an angel the way Mary did, but in Scripture it's clear that God sees and cares for every single one of us. It says in Psalm 33, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. So I think this mindfulness of God should give us great joy every single day. We know God is watching over us with love, just like a mother watching over her child. Here's another verse in Isaiah. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. God will never forget you. You are on his mind constantly. And I think this can bring such comfort and joy, especially if you've lived life on your own, assuming that you're just going to have to do it yourself, that you will have to handle everything, you will have to protect yourself, you will have to provide for yourself, you will have to make something of yourself and of your life. What a joy it is to know there's a God who is mindful of you. That your creator takes notice of you and has a plan and a purpose for you. Second thing that Mary sings about is that God is merciful. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mercy is mentioned twice, actually, in this song. And it reminds us, God forgives me. So God sees me. And then he forgives me, because he's seen all the bad as well as all the good, hasn't he? But he forgives. He does not repay us the way our sins deserve. He has compassion on us. And nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing is too big or too small for him to forgive. But first we have to understand our sin. If we want to get to this joy in knowing God forgives us, first we go through some grief over the sins that we've committed. We might fear God and the punishment that we know we deserve. But then comes the joy of forgiveness. He's not a God who wants to condemn. He's a God who actually delights to show mercy. It says in Micah 7, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. He wants to be merciful. He doesn't want to punish us. He's punish us. He's waiting to be merciful. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. So this is joyful news to those of us who've been burdened and who felt that that condemnation in our hearts that we know we've sinned. But in Christ there's now no condemnation. There is no punishment. There is no fear of judgment. There's joy in knowing 
that we are forgiven. So God's mercy towards us is this second sense source of joy that Mary mentions. Thirdly, God is mighty. She mentions this more than once as well. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Mary saw God's mighty power at work all around her. She saw that he was going to bring to fruition his plan to provide a Messiah. He was bringing a king and a lord to Israel through her family. God was going to work mightily in her. And ultimately, the, the powers that rule this world were going to be overthrown. A new king of David was going to be raised up for, for us to worship. And she just could not believe that God's might and power were, would reach so low, all the way down to her, and lift her up. God's might is personal for us, too. Because of Christ's resurrection, we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and all around us. In Ephesians, Paul prayed this prayer for the church, that they would know the hope to which God had called them, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that is at work in and through us and around us in our world. Nothing can stand against our Lord, and he is for us. He can overcome anything. He can bring life out of death, dead relationships, dead hope, dead joy. He can restore that and bring it back to life. He is mighty, and this is a source of joy for us. Fourthly, God has perfect memory. It says he's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. So Mary rejoiced because she knew God had remembered his promises and he had fulfilled them. He didn't just think about them, he acted on them. And so what, what does he promise to us You guys, there are so many things. There are entire books you can buy filled with the promises of God in Scripture. There's too many to list, but I'll I'll give you a short list here. God has promised to love us unconditionally, to never leave us or forsake us, to lead us to his purpose for our life, to empower us through the Holy Spirit, to fill us with hope and peace, to prepare an eternal home for us with him. And I could go on. That's the dot, dot, dot there. You can think of more promises verses that you may have memorized that you hold on to because you know God remembers these promises. We may forget, but he doesn't, and he will fulfill what he's promised to do. So his perfect memory is a source of joy for us. Coming back to Mary, she chose deliberately to open this gift of joy. She could have been consumed with worry. She had reasons to worry, didn't she? 
She could have worried about her rejection from Joseph or family or community. She could have worried about the difficulties of the pregnancy that was coming. She could have been worried about her ability to parent the Son of God, the travel that she was going to be asked to make. And maybe sometimes she did worry, but in this passage of Scripture that is preserved for us, she chose joy based on who God had been to her. She made it personal. And so how are we going to do the same? The first one is up there, that we pray for joy because it's a gift of God. He's the source of the joy. And maybe sometimes we don't have joy because we haven't asked him for joy. If I had taken a moment on that day when I was at this wedding and feeling mad and miserable, if I had gone off by myself for a minute and asked God to give me the joy that I knew I should have, and if I had taken a minute to reflect on who God had been to me, the joy of that I have all this family and these children with their loud screechy voices and the, all these things that can go wrong and yet here I am still, I could have found that joy. I regret that I didn't. It could have been different. So first we pray. We ask for joy. Secondly, we do have to choose it. We have to practice it. We focus our minds on who God is in relation to me. And we ask, how has God been mindful of me? How has God been merciful to me? How has he shown his mighty power in my life? How has he remembered to fulfill his promises to me? We rehearse these things in our mind. And so that is what I am going to be trying to do this Christmas when I feel that pressure to be joyful and it's not really authentic. I'm going to remind myself that he's mindful, he's merciful, he's mighty, he's got a perfect memory. He's going to do exactly what he's promised to do. So my point this morning in all of this is like an unwrapped gift that's left under the Christmas tree. If you were celebrating Christmas with your family and there was, pardon me, a wrapped gift, but it had been forgotten, a forgotten gift, and you noticed it and you said, oh, there's one more gift under there. Let's drag it out and see who it's for. I want you to pretend that's your gift of joy. When you're not feeling it, it's there, but you have to go and get it and and choose to unwrap it and focus in on God and ask him for that joy. The, The joy is always there, but sometimes it's really hard to to tap into. And so I pray that you will be able to choose that joy, that gift that he's given us. So let's pray together. Father, you know how hard it is to be joyful in some moments of our days. You know all the distractions, the worries, the questions, the doubts, the fears, the pain. Yet, Lord, you are our source of joy. Your joy never goes away, and I pray that your joy would be our strength, that your joy would be in us, and that your joy would be made complete in us. Lord, give us the ability in those moments when we are feeling far from you, I pray that you would give us the ability to turn back and to find that gift of joy and to open it. Thank you that you are faithful, Lord even when we are not, and that we can always start afresh. Increase our joy, Lord, as we worship you together. Amen.